0: You're listening to St. Pius 10th Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. When I was a young child, we, I would hear the story of Abraham and Isaac uh, read to me. And as I would hear it, I would cringe. I would cringe and kind of like the way we were on Good Friday, you know, when we are called to yell, crucify him, crucify him. And so we, well, as I move forward, though, you know, there was always a a happy ending, right? And there was obviously a happy ending after Good Friday as well. But as you get older, the import of of what's going on, you know, continued to develop and and, and went through different phases with him. And obviously when I went to the seminary, we study uh, scripture. And so we get to today in the thought of what does uh, the story of Abraham tell us? And in order to understand the gospel, I mean, the first reading today, we have to look at the history and understand what God is saying. And so we have to remember that that Abraham, you know, throughout um, his life had experiences with God. And so one of them was that it did not look like, that he and Sarah were going to be able to conceive. They were elderly when God gave them the gift of Isaac and had problems believing that God would do that, but it was certainly a sign to him uh, that he would need to believe and to, and to trust. And so he's given the gift of Isaac and then he is called to offer that gift back to God, Right. It's called to offer that gift back to God. And so Abraham goes to the mountain trusting in, in, in the messenger that was sent to him. And he goes there and we have to remember that what's going on with Abraham may be just that he recognized that everything that he had had been given to him by God. Because for the people of that time, descendants were everything. Family was everything. It was prosperity. It was their legacy. Even in today's Jewish culture, the legacy that they have are are land and, and people. And so we think of Abraham recognizing in gratitude everything that had been given to him, and he offers it back to God. And of course, there is the happy ending with the thought that Abraham did not withhold anything from God, even, even his only son. So God did not take him up on the offer during this test, right? It says he was being tested. So God did not take him up on the offer of the test. However, you know God gave himself the same test, right? Offering his only begotten son. And unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how we look at it, you know, we took God up on his offer as a human race. We we took him up on it. And he was willing to offer his only begotten son for us. And so we think of of God's relationship with Abraham, a patriarch, the first, and what we call him our father in faith. Jesus even referred to him as Father Abraham. And we look at our second reading about I think the two impediments to the faith life, you know, fear and trust, fear and trust. And so Paul begins in his letter to the Romans, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? He do, who did not spare his own son, but handed him over for us all. Will he not give us also everything else along with him? So God gives us everything he's willing to give his only begotten son, he gives us everything. And as we think of, of fear and trust being the, the thought of, of, of being impediments to us doing what God asks us, whether it's little or small, you know, do we, do we do it? And I often times ponder and think about, you know, are we asking the right question, you know? We ask him the right question because the questions being asked are, you know, do we trust God? Do you trust in Him, or Divine Mercy, Jesus? I trust in You, right? But I kind of think that maybe the right question to ask is, kind of, why does God trust us? Why does He trust us? I mean, think about it. I mean, we're the ones who who have failed throughout salvation history, and God always comes to rescue us. Whether it's our fault or not, you know, not being our fault, maybe we would think of God rescuing us in Egypt from slavery. Or maybe it was our fault in Babylon when we didn't follow his way and he came to rescue us, be liberated from captivity. But why does he trust us? Because in our baptism, he has entrusted us with the mission of salvation, the most important thing to him, right? And he has given it to us, and he trusts us to fulfill it. But time after time, whether we think of salvation history, whether we think of the history of our society, whether we think of our own personal history, if we're honest and we think about it, we've, we've failed at times. Yet he continues to trust us, yet he continues to give us what we need, yet he continues to love us to the very end, just as we see exemplified in Jesus' passion and death, right? And then he gives us the resurrection, the new life, the new life. And for us, I think it's so important to recognize you know, that the same attitude that Abraham had, that it's, it's not a story of, of horror, so to speak, but a story of liberation and redemption and love, that Abraham showed, but God showing him that love first, right, with the sign, the miracle baby, so to speak, and that it is a response to that, and we have to examine what's our response, what's our response to that, the meager response that we can give to God for having given everything to us, and so do we recognize that like Abraham done did? We recognize that everything that we have is God. Do we have that spirit of gratitude for what we have, not a spirit of resentment for what we have not, whether it's a material gift or a spiritual gift or any other kind of gift? Where is that that gratitude that breeds faith? Because in our gospel reading today, that's what the apostles are grappling with, right? At the end of the Transfiguration, they see Jesus with Moses and Elijah, and At the end, you know, they come down kind of confused. At first, they're scared, right? They're scared. And then they're kind of like, what does he mean by raising from the dead? What what does that all mean? In all fairness to them, Jesus had not yet been raised from the dead, right? They had not seen it and experienced it. But at the same time, there was a questioning all the way along. And we know that there's a process, a process of coming to believe. The apostles, if you think about it, at that first sign, the wedding feast at Cana, you know, at the end of the, of, of the passage, it says, and the apostles began to believe. It didn't say they believed, it said they began to believe. And that's noted several times throughout scripture. And today we have another one of those places where they were questioning what it meant. They had not come to understanding. And we are in that same place and we should take a little, I think, solace in that, that, hey, where where the apostles were, even though we sometimes fail in our mission, God is still with us. God is still going to trust us, to continue on and to move forward in good faith, to come to know and to love Christ all the more. And that's what Lent is all about. That continued journey, huh? To get better each year, where we take stock, where we look at our failures and our successes. And we thank God and we trust him in the successes, in our failures, we maybe have to look at, you know, God, why do you trust me? (laughs) But I'm gonna continue on because I'm still where I am in order to fulfill that mission. And so today, I think we take stock in our Lenten journey of how we are able to not only trust God, but think of the honor and the dignity he's given to us to trust us in our mission, the mutual relationship that we have and allow us hopefully to continue forward in gratitude and take stock of all the blessings that he's given to us beginning with our creation and realizing that everything that we have ultimately has come from him and we offer it all back to him for his greater glory so to speak meaning the salvation of the world including our conversion, our change. And speaking of gratitude, uh, I wanted to make a note of gratitude. As many of you know, uh, some not, that um, the rectory was pretty much completed over the last few weeks and I have moved in. It is a beautiful house. Thank you very much. I wouldn't have it except for your generosity in the end. You know, a few years back, uh, we took some risks. Uh, I bet on St. Pius uh, in thinking that we needed to convert the old church into uh, something that would be useful for our congregation and dignify its history. And then, of course, we needed to, to do something about the rectory and the house next door came available in a perfect location. And so we're in, I'm in, Father Raymond's there, but he's, he's at home right now in Uganda. By the way, he made it home safe and sound. He's doing fine. And he'll be back in a few weeks. But I wanted to thank you for, uh, for your support and your trust in me. I trusted you and you trust me in, in stewardship and in getting these projects done. They, certainly God has written straight with uh, Crooked Lines. We've been through a few, uh, few things uh, beginning uh, with the planning and, and getting to today. Um, but I am in and, and it is comfortable and it is very nice and it's nice to be here on the grounds. There's something about that for a priest to live in the right where the church is. Um, certainly I've taken advantage of and enjoyed, uh, you know, if I want to come pray uh, at night, just walk across the parking lot, I don't have the excuse of being uh, two miles away, right? You know, Just come. And as some people have asked if uh, we're going to do a, a tour of, of the rectory, and I said, are you crazy? <laughs> 3,000 people, uh-uh, no way. No way. Uh, no, well, there's just no way practically we can do it. But um, uh, but I think we're going to take some pictures and get them in the bulletin uh, so everybody can see if they would like. But it turned out beautifully and, and like I said, very comfortable. And I wouldn't have that but for your uh, generosity. So thank you. And then on the, on the old church, the new ministry building, um, we are almost at the end. Uh, you see the landscaping is in. Of course, I had someone ask me, you know, why are we spending all this money on landscaping? Do you want to use the building? You know, we can't get in unless we have a certificate of occupancy and landscaping is required to get that certificate. So not that I have anything against landscaping, but you do what you got to do to, to use the building. And so, uh, the, the building is scheduled to be completed right at Easter. It's great news. I've all, I made the call to the Bishop, so to speak, to, uh, to schedule him for a dedication in early May, uh, but we'll begin using it, hopefully, as soon as possible, because we need it. Uh, but again, all of these things were done because of your generosity and support, and you know both material and, and spiritual and support and encouragement. Uh, the, uh, the goal that we had initially was to take on a little more debt, thinking that in the back end, we would pay it off and finish the campus. Uh, for the church. But in the end, I want to let you know, it looks like you not only do we not have to take on any more debt, not only are we ahead of our debt of, of, of what we had before, but, um, but also there's a little, a little bit of spare room, so to speak, uh, to, to make it. So God does what he wants to do. All we have to do is follow the directions and walk step by step with him. And So thank you for making my job easier because I know that's not your job, but you have. So I thank you for it. And as we move forward, let's pray that during this Lent, during this Lent, uh, that we can develop the trust that the apostles did. They all gave their lives except for John, and he didn't die in a particularly nice way either. You know, and we have the trust that God is with us, that we don't fear him. We know that it's only his love that props and supports us, that we have gratitude, begin with gratitude for what we have. And that gratitude breeds humility, and that humility breeds faith and hope and charity. And that's what we hope to have so that at Easter we can celebrate. We can celebrate not only the wonderful material ways that we do in Christ's resurrection, but interiorly we can celebrate the growth of Christ within us.